This is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast where we rewatch very special episodes of TV from the past and see what they have to teach us today. Today, we are looking at our very first episode of Happy Days. Yeah. The episode Smokin' Ain't Cool. So, uh, guess what it's about at home? You know, play this <laughs> play a fun little game with yourself. It's anti arson. It is. <laughs> It is actually that. Fonzie becomes a firebug. Tune in. <laughs> uh, this is from season six, episode 17, which originally aired January 16th, 1979. It was written by Michael Lohman. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem that you can stream Happy Days anywhere online. So, yeah, it's uh, a tough one. Yeah, so you'll have to head it to the Paley Center, and then maybe I think they show it on TV Land or something? It's around. It's, it's got to be around It's on somewhere. TV. I don't have cable. This you know is what? a sneak peek behind the curtain. You know what, fans? You do the work. <laughs> uh, we, we've, we've already we've seen it, so we're good. Yeah. Hey, Chelsea, before we get into this episode, why don't we have a snack? Yes, uh, you brought the snack for us today. Why don't you Sorry. tell me what it is? I will absolutely. <laughs> With apologies, I brought in Haribo brand uh, gummy candy. This is Fizzy Cola. You know, the regular cola gummies. Yeah. But it seems to have... <laughs> Dusted with sweet and sour and tangy dust. Oh. Yeah, no, it seems like a horrible idea. You pointed this out. Oh. Uh, first of all, I always love it when candies like this have to note that there's artificial flavoring in it. Right, like got we it. didn't got it. Yeah. Got it. Wait, these are tiny what? little bottles? <laughs> I'm not going to be literally eating glass? Uh, try these other flavors, by the way. Haribo favorites, Gold Bears. Happy Cola. Okay. Sour Sketty. Sour Spaghetti? Yeah. Oh. And, oh, I'm sorry. Do we need to go to the grocery store and get this? Frogs. <laughs> let's, Shaped let's, like frogs. Tastes like pond water? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, let's get into these. Let's do it. Point no. Uh, <laughs> also, never again. Yeah, I figured out what it tastes like though. Oh, good. Uh, oh, it tastes like a lemon head. Oh, yeah, okay. It has that real lemony lime sourness. Yeah. I don't know what that has to do with cola. I got well, no notes of cola. At the bottom of it all is like a hint of cola, but it's just out of reach. If they call them sweet and sour citrus, mm. then I would be like, okay, sure, that makes sense. I don't want to eat these, but the flavor profile fits the name. Carbonation and sour are not the same well, thing. Here's the thing. Here's what I think they went for was like the geniuses over at Herbotech. Um <laughs> The R and D guys. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, <laughs> how do we make this taste like less trash? <laughs> or the right kind of trash uh-huh. in their their trash sketty. I think they wanted to do like, oh, we'll do like cola with lemon. 
won't that be a fun thing? Because that's popular now for some reason. And then they couldn't get that at all. And yeah. They couldn't get it even close enough nope. to advertise that it tastes like cola and lemon. They just had to be like, I don't know. Fizzy? Sour equals fizzy, right? Yeah, you, no. know, what, you know what taste I love? Fizzy. <laughs> you know who really nails it though is over at Lolly and Pops when they have their they have all kinds of gummy bears. They yes. have like mimosa gummy bears yeah, yeah, and yeah. mojito gummy bears and yes. all these like sp- very specific mixed drink gummy bears that taste exactly like the thing you want them to taste like. Yeah. Recommendation. Uh ignore ignore the Haribo. Pretend it didn't happen. Um this particular flavor. Yeah. And get yourself over to Lolly and Pops and buy their gummy bears in bulk because hey, these things are Lolly super and good. Pops, we are available for yeah, sponsorship. Please. You know how we're always wandering into your store and yeah. buying things? It's, Maybe save us the trouble. Subtle hints, buddy. We're trying to trying to get sponsored. <laughs> hey, let's forget this ever happened and talk about a goddamn episode yeah. of television. This is our First, no, second anti-smoking because we did. Yes, it we is. Did the small wonder anti-smoking? But there is a through line betwixt that one and this oh, one. Oh, we'll tell get me what into. it is. Oh, we'll you're gonna get there. It. Okay. Yeah. All right, so let's start off with a little bit of background about Happy Days. I can't imagine there is anyone in the world who does not know about Happy Days. However, the ordinary world of Happy Days. The show is created by Gary Marshall. It ran for 255 episodes, 11 yep. seasons, 1974 to 1984. It is set in Milwaukee in the 1950s. However, the show ran in the 70s and 80s. So it's a it's sort of a nostalgic, very rose-tinted glasses version of Milwaukee in the 50s show that ran in the 70s and 80s. And then, obviously, it ran for 11 seasons, but also got spinoffs. Uh, yeah. the Joni, Joni Loves, Loves Chachi, Chachi, of course, yep. and Laverne and Shirley actually spun off of this. Yep. Not only that, but Mork, the character Mork, played by Robin oh, Williams, right. appeared on one weird dream sequence episode yeah. ahead of the, the series that they created. There were quite a few very special episodes of Happy Days in 11 years. You would guess they had yeah. time to get around to a bunch of them. A couple. They really did work. There is a bit of trivia on IMDb that after the show became successful, Gary Marshall was approached and asked if the show could do anything that would help convince kids to read. In one episode, the Fonz decided that he would go to the library and check out a book. Despite his reputation, he said, everybody's allowed to read. And that week, registration for library cards went up 500% Jesus. in the U.S. So This could have been, the Fonzie could have been used for such evil. And I'm really glad yeah, <laughs> right? it wasn't. He could be like, oh, I got to join this cult, sir. Yeah. Oh, I Coca-Cola like- makes you sexy or yeah. something. Oh, you know what's great? Cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> So their they're had their very spe- special episodes were extremely influential. Let's talk about the character of the Fonz a bit. <laughs> Let's please. He is like the proto Urkel. He was a minor character yep. that became the soul of the show to the point where in later seasons they wanted to rename it Fonzie or the Fonz. They Fonzie to re- days. Yeah. <laughs> I should have called it Fonzie And days. both Gary Marshall and Ron Howard were like, we're That's, quitting yeah. if you do that. And probably Henry Winkler was not like stoked on that idea. <laughs> like, I'm already kind of pigeonholed here. The show starts off with Richie Cunningham and his friends in high school. But by season six, where we are for this episode, they've graduated. They're in college. They're out in the world. Um, Ron Howard apparently originally passed on the part, saying he didn't want to be a teenager on TV for the rest of his life because he had been a Oops. child actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Gary Marshall promised him that Richie and his friends would graduate high school and have adult lives, the beginning of adult lives. Mm-hmm. Even Fonzie went back to school in order to graduate with everyone else at some point. So, yeah. so we're in stylized Milwaukee of the 50s as remembered in 1979. Which is funny, but I just want to point out that this is a show about the 50s that was created in the 70s, mm-hmm. broadcast in the 70s, and then we had 
a 70s show created in the 90s. Yep. So I think if we are to learn anything from this, number one, yeah. only odd numbered decades are of any importance. Great. And we can't talk about them for 20 years. Right. So, and also there's like a lot of 90s shows coming out right now. Yeah. I've noticed. Pin uh, I've 15, noticed. for one. Pin 15. Yeah, absolutely. Love that show. It's, it's becoming trendy, which is great uh, when your childhood becomes funny. Yeah, but you know what's so interesting about shows that are set in the 90s now? The world has changed so incredibly much, and maybe it always does, but in such a specific way with technology that watching shows about teenagers in the 90s when you didn't have a cell phone, you mm-hmm. didn't have Facebook, you bar- they barely had the internet, it's... It's like, oh, right, you just would go to a party and, like, hope the person that you wanted to be there was yeah. there, as opposed to everyone broadcasting their every move on social media so sure. you knew where everyone was on a Friday night. There was one phone in the house. Right. And if you just weren't there, you just You just, just missed that call. It yeah. Was it. <laughs> you hoped that they maybe had called. But here's some fun facts about uh, Happy Days yes, that you might not know. Please. Number one, this is a, a proto-TV trope. As far as I know it, this is the first time that's happened. And that first episode of Happy Days featured Chuck Cunningham, yeah. which was Richie's brother. Mm-hmm. And they play a game of, uh, I think, older brother. Older they play brother. a game of, um, yes, they play a game of basketball. And then Chuck goes upstairs to his bedroom, which is above the garage. And then he is never seen again. Is He's only in the pilot? I thought he was in more episodes than that. Just the pilot. And then in the finale of the show, Father Howard Cunningham says he's so proud of his two children. <laughs> Even though everyone's like, there was a third brother. Yeah. Oh, the other fun fact is about the Fonz himself. During the early seasons, the network thought it would be too threatening or dangerous if Henry Winkler wore a leather jacket. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a motorcycle punk, so for the first season, the Fonz wears a windbreaker. Yeah, and he eventually gets to wear a leather jacket, but they're very careful for the entire series never to have him always maintain his respectability. Mm-hmm. Even though he is definitely a greaser, he's always very polite, he's respectful, he only, like, he talks about beating people up all the time, but he, we never see him actually, like, do that unless... Sure. Unless he's defending someone. And his leather jacket now hangs in the Smithsonian. Wow. Yeah. It's it's a simpler time where that's all it took to be cool. Also, there's a bronze statue called the Bronze Fonz of Henry Winkler in Milwaukee, which I have taken a picture next to. It is very small. I hope it is not life-size because it is very small. Henry Winkler's a little little tiny. I think he is because, oh, they had cast someone else as the Fonz who was so much taller than everyone else. And now I can't remember who it was. Um, Mickey Dolenz of the Monkees. No shit. Yes. Originally auditioned for the Fonzie. He got pretty far. They almost cast him, but he was six feet tall. He was a lot taller than everyone else. Mm. And he wrote about it in his autobiography and even said he really loved Henry Winkler's portrayal of the character. Yeah. Uh, also, Henry Winkler, national treasure, by yeah, the way. Yeah, apparently he's the nicest guy in Hollywood. I've heard this All as reports well. are that he is like... The nicest, most welcoming, most genuine, mm. lovely person. And still working, you and know? My God, Arrested Development, now Barry. Yep. He's fucking phenomenal. He's just a gym. So we open up on this episode at Arnold's, the fucking yeah. cool place to be. They're the teen hangout. All sorts of old, just, they don't look like they should work kind of cars. Mm-hmm. The things with the open sides that are like, look at this engine. Right. It's 
Like, I'm right. pretty sure we should be protecting that. <laughs> but okay. Is that okay if it rains? Maybe we shouldn't yeah. do this. Uh, yeah, we're at Arnold's, and this place is fucking hopping. It always is. It's always bananas at Arnold's. There's I nothing mean, else to do. There's nothing else to do. Kids are dancing. There's a jukebox, and kids are full on dancing in the middle of the floor all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just kids that we should add. Like, if an adult ever strolls through, it's a uh, big, an adult big deal. Does stroll through, and, yes. and everybody stops bopping and right. or hopping or twisting. Right. We are first introduced to Ralph and Potsy. These are Richie Cunningham's friends, and they've cracked up a scheme together. These two. If I could classify this lower than a C plot, I would call it like this is like an M plot. This, this is, thing is yeah. The word so plot tacked on. To this. <laughs> so the the gist of this is that they've become chinchilla moguls. Good they God. have bought some chinchilla, two chinchillas, and they're going to. They're trying to sell people now chinchilla coats. Except yep. it turns out the Potsy, who's pretty dumb, has bought two males because they're easier to raise. And they're, yeah, yeah, males were cheaper, and boys are easier to raise. And this is one of the many moments in in this episode where I wish the episode had just stopped <laughs> and been like. Hey, Potsy, sit down for a second, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. First of all, you, you think that two two males can somehow procreate, and if two males did procreate, they'd only have boys? <laughs> right. There's a lot to unpack there. That's how and genetics I think, works. Yeah, I think they really need to sit them down and be like, come on, dude, just there's Someone, no, well, no dumb questions, man. Well, Richie says, are you going to explain it to him, to Ralphie? And Ralphie's like, I guess I think it'd be easier to just buy a female. Yeah, that's a disservice. Um, yeah, so then Fonzie comes in and scoops up five girls automatically mm-hmm. within 30 seconds well, to take to the drive-thru on his motorcycle, the yeah. physics of which are hard to comprehend. Chelsea, I guess, I I guess four I've, of them are walking. I don't know if I've gone on and on about this, but I own a motorcycle. You have. <laughs> and I've only had up to three people on it at a time. <laughs> have you had actually three people? No, on your just no. one person, because that's the only way you can have a motorcycle. <laughs> you know what you, you need if you, if you want to have more than another person on there? A sidecar. Uh, 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 yes, if it's more than three people, another a fucking motorcycle? car. <laughs> uh, so this is to establish that Fonzie is the coolest, coolest. Yeah. As if we didn't already know, everybody knows Fonzie's the greatest. But he comes in, he scoops up five girls, and they all go off to the drive My favorite part of this episode is that Potsy and Ralph try to sell him a chinchilla coat as well. And yep. he... He does the most devastating because they're like, "Hey, it'll help you pick up girls," and he's like, "Do you really think so?" It's this it's a level of sarcasm that should have destroyed. <laughs> it was both really of good, them, physically and spiritually. He even puts his head on Ralph's shoulder, and it's like, "Gee." Okay. Like, it should have been like an atomic blast went off and their skin just like <laughs> flies away and they're just a heap of bones in front of him. And then to prove his point in classic Fonzie style, he snaps his fingers. Every girl in the place runs over to greet sure. him and they all leave with him. Oh, shit. I have a uh, jazz research. Ooh. Um, yeah, I'm not excited about it either. The offer on uh, the offer that Ralph and Potsy are, are saying isn't a coat after all. They want to uh, sell him a chinchilla motorcycle seat, which. Oh. Listen, I'm not going to, I don't, I don't want to throw out two words, butt and sweat. Do you want to feel like you sat on a cat the whole time you're riding your motorcycle? We keep checking to be like, oops. There's problematic things with that, but they said it would make him the Liberace of motorcycles, which seems like a joke just to us, but at the, I had to look it up. 
At the time that this was written, and of course at the time the episode is set, Liberace had not yet come out. It was widely rumored. What? There was a time when people didn't know the Liberace was gay? He was widely rumored to have been gay. There was a European magazine that made allusions to calling him gay, including the phrase fruit-flavored. Did they not have eyes? Well, and then he sued the magazine and won, in today's money, $200,000 for defamation. So, you know, people at least couldn't talk about it. But in like, no, it I, seems contradictory to be like, this will help you get girls and make you the Liberace of anything. Oh, I, I understand that completely. I think they're, they're, they mean extravagance. I'm not done with my jazz research, though. Oh, gosh. Um, the hole gets deeper. No, it's it's fine. Uh, Liberace would eventually be sued by a, a partner for patrimony, which is the subject of the movie Behind the Cal- Candelabra, mm-hmm. which you should watch. Yes. And then 10 years after he died, I think it was Betty Davis or Joan Crawford, I can't remember which, finally said, yes, he was gay. And everyone was like, I'm sorry, this was a question? Yeah. But speaking of questions about Liberace, I had to Google this. And the Google, the term that I used when looking it up was, when did Liberace come out? Mm-hmm. Which is fine. I got the yeah. information I needed. But it also did that little box where it's like, hey, people also ask these questions, which are pretty <laughs> obvious stuff, like when did Liberace die? Uh, but my favorite question that people also ask, quote, what is the meaning of Liberace? <laughs> <laughs> what is the meaning of him? What is the meaning of Liberace? <laughs> I know it's probably just a, a fundamentally uh, incorrect, like, who's Liberace? But it really does sound like something. Or they thought he pulled his name from some Italian word that meant something. Sure. Like, but I cannot know. picture, I cannot hear that without somebody just shouting, what, what is, is the, the meaning? meaning of Liberace? Um, and then clicking on that gives you the Oxford Online Dictionary definition of Liberace. Anyway, Fonzie uh, goes and fucks five ladies. He's got like a slew of STIs, right? right? I mean, they don't talk about it on this, but that dude. I feel like, I don't know, man. I, I Okay, so this is, this is the like M plot that happens here with these chinchillas. But we do get this moment of Fonzie being super cool and all the ladies loving him, which is sure. going to be important later because we're going to call on Fonzie's cool cachet to try to solve a problem. Absolutely. Joni, speaking of problems, <laughs> Joni enters with the magnets who are, quote, the coolest girls group in school. That Chelsea. is an amazing name for a clique. The magnets? Because on their jackets, which this is um, obligatory in the 1950s, they have matching jackets with sure. the name of the group on the back. Mm-hmm. The jackets say, the magnets we attract. Oh, that is good. Which is fucking great. That's it's real good. That is really good. Yeah. So what was the name of your girl group in high school, Chelsea? My two best girlfriends and I did start calling ourselves the tripod. That is good. Because we were inseparable um, and still call ourselves the tripod. three of you combined could hold up a camera. Yep. (laughs) Very weak people. Okay. So So, the call to adventure comes very quickly. Yeah. The magnets are talking about the responsibilities. And as a brand new magnet, Joni's going through a fucking schedule. They mentioned weekend socials, which Joni calls hunk time, which is fucking gross. (laughs) It's just nasty. Hey, Andy, remember when you could smoke inside in restaurants? I do. I remember smoking in restaurants. Yeah. So this is what happens now. The magnets all sit down. There's three of them plus Joni. They all have their jackets on. Mm. They sit down at a booth. The three other girls light up and they're like, here you go. Have a smoke. And she kind of demurs at first, but then she gives in. She starts smoking. And we find out this is, she doesn't do the thing where she's like, oh, I smoke all the time. (coughs) And it's obvious this is her first cigarette. She's obviously smoked before with them. But we do have this 
trope. This is the second episode of a smoking issue yep. sitcom that we've done, and this is the second time we have this line yep. where somebody takes their first puff of a cigarette, coughs, makes a face, and says, smooth. smooth. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. But the counter, the official counter is two. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm going to go ahead and posit that every time we do a smoking yeah. episode that someone's going to say smooth uh, and not mean it. Yeah. <laughs> smooth. This is the call to adventure because she clearly doesn't, she tries to get out of it. She doesn't want to do it, but then yeah. she does do it. Mm-hmm. So this is fairly straightforward. Joni is smoking. Everyone is going to say stop smoking, and she's going to have to decide whether or not to stop smoking. Right. So that's the call to adventure. We have the journey pretty clearly laid out before us. And the fir- very first thing that sets us on our way is the meeting with the mentor. Richie, her older brother, sees her smoking. He walks over to big brother her in public. And uh, it's weird. <laughs> the other uh, cigarette smoking trope that we have is... Someone asks somebody if they're smoking, and they say no, but they've been holding cigarette smoke in their mouth, so they puff out smoke and say no. She has it in her hand as well. Also that quick, quick, quick thing there. So Richie starts lecturing her, and Joni is, is, you know, not having a moment of it. Right. But it takes a weird turn here. I don't know if this creeps you out. Uh, How she begins to sexualize herself? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, She's 16. We're going to point that out. She's 16. He's... 18 or 19. 19. He must be yeah. a sophomore in college. Yeah. He says that smoking is stupid and it makes her look like a child. And Joni says, oh, yeah, you don't see many children with a shape like mine. Yeah, she's constantly talking about her figure uh, and then to Richie, her brother. And then Richie says, so you're a shapely kid. You're still a kid. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. And she's like, come on, everybody does it. And he says, you look like a baby. You need to quit. To sort of like prove her point that she doesn't look like a baby, she she calls over this dude in a Letterman sweater, mm-hmm. and he's like, "You look so much older with that cigarette." And then she stalks off with him, and she's like, "See, I don't look like a baby. I look like a mature lady at 16. This man will tell me what I am. <laughs> right. Goodbye, brother. <laughs> uh, um, so we cut to Joni's room. And- now we're in the special world because we don't spend very much time in Joni's room on this series. I'm in guessing. fact, later someone is going to say, this is the first time you've ever been. She's going to say, this is the first time you've ever been in my room. Yeah. Joni's going to get her own Joni Loves Chachi spinoff mm-hmm. later. But Joni, heretofore, has not been the protagonist of many episodes. This is mostly got to do with Richie and Fonzie. Yeah, and she would play the annoying younger sister yeah. role. So we know we're in the special world because we're in her room and she's smoking and she she's doesn't She's smoking like care. a stressed out chimney. <laughs> <laughs> she's just going to town with cigarettes and pretending that she's like doing things. Yeah, that's classic sort of like pretending I'm at a party and yeah. I look so cool and I'm talking to all my cool friends. Uh, I just want to plant this because we're going to see her smoking alone and seeming to enjoy it several times. Mm -hmm. But then she also tells various members of her family that she doesn't enjoy smoking. She's only doing it because the magnets asked her to. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, then why are you doing it by yourself at your house? Like, are you getting better at it? So I have have a theory. She does this again uh, later on. We'll we'll talk about it then. But it is off-putting, by the way, just to see somebody cavorting around their room like a hopped-up socialite (laughs) (laughs) smoking away. So we crossed the first threshold when Richie comes into Joni's room and sees her. She clearly knows that her parents wouldn't like this because she hears a knock at the door and she tries to hide the evidence. She's like going around (laughs) trying to hide the smoke. And then Richie comes in. She's like, oh, it's just you. And he starts telling her, you can't smoke. It's the same. It's two of the same scene right in a row. It really is. And I'm just going to throw this one out there. I started smoking when I was 15 years old. 
and I smoked for 15 solid years. Mm -hmm. I was a heavy smoker. Um, and I'm pretty sure I'm just about to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I've probably run out of time. We're going to get through season two of this podcast, and then it's borrowed time. I just have Miles, like, go, work me, Andy. <laughs> That's pretty much all I do here. <laughs> What's that? Fun pun. <laughs> so, uh, as a smoker, I can say, number one, this, this does not work. No. The waving your hand slightly does not get rid of the incredibly toxic yeah. smell of As cigarettes. a person with a nose, I can also say yeah. that it doesn't work. You can always tell when someone's been smoking in a room before you come in. But this is really real. She puts the cigarette butt in a uh, soda can. Yep. Richie comes in. He's like, hey, sorry, I lost my cool earlier. I was wondering if we could talk. And then he takes a drink out of the soda can with the cigarette in it. And immediately freaks out and starts yelling at her. So then they're going back and forth, and she's like, I'm not a little kid. I don't have to listen to you. I'm going to make my own decisions. And she lights up another she cigarette lights up another right cigarette. in front of him, yeah. which he takes out of her hand. He takes it out of her mouth, actually, and stands on a bench, and he's holding it over her head, and she's trying to grab it, and they're fighting like little kids and yelling at each other. Hold tight, because we have missed my favorite line that I'm going to apply to the rest of my life. Richie, she immediately lights another cigarette, and he's like, you're becoming a chain smoker. And she says, I'll be fine. And Richie says... That she thinks she's fine now, but she's going to end up, quote, groping around in the gutter, just hoping to find a butt. And yeah. I am going to say that to anyone doing things I don't like, gamers online, kids playing on my lawn, you're all going to end up groping around in the gutter, just hoping to find a butt. You don't have to specify what kind of a butt. No, man. No. That makes it worse. Yep. That makes it freakier. Like, they're like, a cigarette butt. I'll you're just like, be like, I don't know, man. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> this could go several ways. We'll see what ends up right in front of your face. <laughs> uh, yes. And then, uh, yeah, the parents come in. Richie is holding the cigarette. And, uh-oh, they think it's uh, Richie's cigarette. Which is, a, I guess, a fair assumption. He's got a lit cigarette in his hand. His mm -hmm. parents, Marion and Howard, they get all upset about the smoking. And neither Richie nor Joni does anything to correct this misconception I would not have been silent. I would have ratted out my sister or brother immediately. I think he tries to, is the thing. He, he... No, they look. They exchange a look, and there's almost this look of like, is he going to go down? I was thinking, is he going to go down for this because he is 19 and won't be punished as severely yeah. as she would? Because they exchange this look, and he has several chances where he could be like, this is not mine, and he doesn't take no. them. And I was like... Sorry, brother and sister, I would not have taken the fall for you on this one. I would have immediately been like, parents, it's hers, it's his. <laughs> Thrown it at her. Yep. Um, yeah, they threatened to ground Richie, and he's like, I'm in college, you can't do that. And they're like, well, we'll take away your car. And he's like, well, checkmate. Yep, fair play. Oh, I guess I'll have to wander around the streets, maybe end up groping around in a gutter. Maybe Fonzie will take me on the back of his motorcycle. He can put four people on that thing Speaking by himself. Of groping in butts, that Fonzie <laughs> could help out. So Joni finally has an attack of conscience and tells her parents that Richie wasn't smoking, she was. And her father's like, you get downstairs, young lady. We're going to have a talk. And this was my favorite line of the show. Quoth Marion, the mother. This is a mother's nightmare. Yeah. I can think of worse things. I mean, yeah, it's gross, but I can think of worse things to be a mother's nightmare it than your really kids is. start smoking. It's hard to look at this with today's eyes and, and see it as a take on the 50s from the 70s. Yeah. It's a very specific thing. So it's hard to sort of parse out what is, well, this is definitely a serious thing, and what were they making fun of as the worst thing that could possibly happen to a suburban family in right. Wisconsin? Dad Cunningham, he's, they're, they're starting a lecture, they're starting, they're in disbelief, 
and dad is waving around this cigarette like a madman <laughs> i really? i am just like oh oh every time he gets close to somebody's face i'm like well no i'm okay. gonna hurt somebody that's a that's a mother's worst nightmare <laughs> right put someone's eye out with that facial thing. scarring he invites his daughter downstairs so they can have a big talk yes and so richie and both parents are all all in full pace and lecture mode. And there's actually a pretty cute sight gag because they're all, they don't know how to start the conversation. They're yeah. all pacing around. They run into each other at one point because they're all, they're all looking at the it's carpet. Hilarious. It's pretty cute. So dad tries to talk to Joni. He wants to ask her, what do you think you're doing? But Richie and Marion keep interrupting to drop some science on, on Joni about heart attacks. And yeah. Maybe cancer. Yeah, Marion's really doing more harm than good here. She's kind of unwittingly, un- unwittingly undermining everything her husband is saying. And I don't know if it's. I don't know where this. It it may cause lung cancer is coming from. Whether it's like, well, they didn't know back in the fifties, or we can't say that in the seventies. Yeah. So this is the thing. Like, I'm not a hundred percent sure what we knew in the nineteen fifties. But this is a PSA for kids in 1979, so I feel like the writers are just like, why not give them all the facts as we know them now? It's an interesting time warp conundrum that we haven't really encountered before in a very special episode because we haven't had one that's set 20 years before the writers are writing it. So there's um, an article I read from the Parents Television Council. Uh, which seems like actually kind of a crazy, like a super strident group, but good facts. Throughout the 1960s, awareness was growing that cigarette smoking and use of tobacco products generally was harmful to users' health. The first Surgeon General's report on smoking and health came out in 1964, caused a massive shift in American understanding of and tolerance for smoking. Hmm. The change influenced broadcast television's approach to tobacco use. In June 1967... The FCC required television stations to air anti-smoking advertisements at no cost to the organizations providing them. And then by 1970, Congress had passed the Public Health Cigarette Smoking Act, which banned advertising cigarettes on TV and radio. The last cigarette commercial on television aired on January 1st, 1971. So by 1979, there hadn't been an ad on television for cigarettes in eight years this Surgeon General's report, the big one that was like, smoking's bad for you, came out in 1964. So that's that's 15 years in the rear view. So we're definitely coming at this from a 1979 perspective and for not sure. a 1950 perspective. I looked it up. And as far as cigarette warning labels are concerned, which was, you know, the, the, the very weak government-mandated answer to, right. well, this is murdering people. Well, put a little warning on there. Yeah, That'll just let them it. know. The first generation of those happened in 1966. Caution, cigarette smoking may be hazardous to your health. And then by the time this episode was written, it would have been something along the lines of warning, cigarette smoking can lead, can cause lung cancer and heart diseases. So eventually, Dad Cunningham is like, you're forbidden to smoke anymore. And Joni goes, why can't you let me make my own decisions? This is different from other PSA slash very special episode topics, right? Because smoking is probably not going to hurt your kid immediately or even in 10 years, but it could kill them eventually. But it's hard to advise against it in the way that more immediate threats aren't Sure. because kids don't have a long-term perspective yet, but parents do. But it's hard to be like, don't start smoking now because you'll really regret it in 30 years. And the kid's like, I've been alive for 15, 16 years. The fuck do I know about exactly. 30 years? You want you want me to wait the, another two times as long as right. I've lived? As opposed to like, don't drink and drive because you might kill yourself tonight. Yeah. You know, very sadly, the actress who played Joni, yeah. Aaron Morgan, died in 2017 of complications from throat cancer. Yeah. Real sad. It is really sad. And it is a tough thing to talk about. And I'm 
gonna say that Dad Cunningham, even if he were the most progressive father in the world, wouldn't do what this dude does next, which is like, <laughs> right. cool, go ahead and make your own decision. We want you to not smoke, but you do what you think is best. And she's like, I'll think about it. Yeah. And then he yells at her instead of, you know, sending her to a convent or something. Right. I feel Hold like on. in the 1950s, like, I feel like this is a 1950s reaction. Like before you knew it was going to cause cancer and it was just kind of stinky. And yeah. You thought it was maybe unladylike. Yeah, you would bring like, up points like that. We don't like, want you to do this. And she's like, well, I'll make my own decision. I'll take your concerns under advisement. That's the rebellious 1950s teen. The worst kind of 1950s teen there is. Right. The very next thing we see is that she sneaks down to the kitchen later to have a smoke, unsure why she's sneaking around, and because they've already given her permission. But she has hidden a cigarette on top of the fridge. And then I'm like, you could have just told her she has to smoke outside because I feel that? like that's within your purview as parents to be like, smoke them if you got them, but don't stink up our house. That should be Go in the rule yard. number one. Yeah. That would have stopped lazy fucking teenage me from smoking about half the cigarettes I did. It's like, I have to go all the way out where? Yeah, well, like... Are there are stairs involved in this? No. When Chicago passed its indoor smoking ban in 2008, they yeah. passed it on January the 1st because mm-hmm. they knew that most of the people who were smoking in Chicago at that time, were not going to go stand outside in sub-zero temperatures to smoke cigarettes. And it was like, you couldn't smoke anywhere. You couldn't smoke inside private businesses. You couldn't smoke inside any place in Chicago. And I was actually dating a guy that was a smoker at the time, and he just quit because he was like, I'm not going to go stand outside. I uh, have an old throwback story. When I first started working in Chicago, so I got a temp job working in the Sears Tower, and I was a smoker. And they set up something that I think if I'd worked there for much longer, it would have convinced me to stop smoking. They set up smoking rooms because it's obviously going to take you a year to get down to the bottom floor of the Sears Tower. I worked in the uh, Leo Burnett building and there were smoking rooms on every floor. Same. And they were so disgusting. It's just you might as well have like had a cigarette inside your own lungs. Um, yeah, so Joni has two things. Joni takes this sneaky cigarette out of the a floral arrangement on top of the refrigerator and then turns to this tiny compartment on their wall, which is a match dispenser. And I'm like, where did this go? I love it. Well, you used to have to light your pilot light for your oven. Makes sense. Where did it go, though? Well, you I don't have, have to light that anymore. I want to have matches when I want to have matches. Yeah, it was Thanks. a pretty cool thing because it was a, like it had a little striker on the side, yeah, too. it looked super badass. It was pretty cool. We've gotten worse, people, as far as match accessibility. Yeah, I really like that as well. So her dad comes in and catches her uh, and is disappointed but says nothing and walks away. He just away. leaves. She doesn't even know he's there. And then the scene ends with Joni doing this weird Shining-esque conversation with nobody while smoking, which means I think she's addicted to the idea of having friends. Yeah. I mean, this is not a... I feel like this is... You're acting like no one does this. I feel like this is a thing we see in movies and TV all the time. I know. It's just... She's really overdoing it. And that's... I feel if you're going to pretend to have a conversation with friends that you like, you can also just pretend to have the cigarette, Without, too. Yeah, that's true. The Obviously, the most uh, significant to the plot occurrence of this is talking to people who aren't their trope occurs in the movie The Wedding Singer when Adam Sandler's character Robbie is going to tell Drew Barrymore's character that he loves her and she's in her room pretending that she's at their wedding reception. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Going, so thank you for coming, thank you for coming. And he thinks she's entertaining people and yeah. she's so excited she's got a room full of friends and so he doesn't so, go up to tell her. Just a warning, uh, a secondary warning this episode, don't pretend 
to be at special events. Yeah. Either you have friends or you don't. How about that? End what of a hard sentence. Lesson. Hopefully you're not one of those fucking losers that holds on to that for like, I don't know, a hundred years. So this is the end of Act 1. We go into Act 2 and we're back at Arnold's where Ralph and Potsy and Richie are sitting at a booth and Dad Cunningham enters, which is very out of the ordinary. What a square. They immediately try to what tell him some chinchilla stuff and he passes What's the on meaning that. of this square? <laughs> what is the meaning of chinchilla? <laughs> also, Ralphie calls him Howie. And I'm just like, they just want yeah. every person under 40 to have a name that ends in E. They had just in, they had just discovered ending names with an E sound. Right. <laughs> Dad Cunningham's all upset. He's like, Joni won't listen to me. Kids don't listen to their parents. Maybe you could talk to her. And I'm like, dude, we've seen that scene twice already. Yeah. Joni is rejecting meetings with this mentor. Richie is not going to get anywhere. But then... Fonzie enters, and for all his greaser-like qualities, Fonzie is no hoodlum. In fact, Henry Winkler never combed his hair on camera and never appeared with a pack of cigarettes rolled up in his shirt sleeve, that? which were common sort of like telltale tropes of the greaser, but he wanted to maintain Fonzie's approachability and respectability. Sure. I want to go back a, a second here uh, to, to address something less for the fact that we're recording a podcast mm-hmm. right now and more for the fact that I need help. Uh, with it. Dad Cunningham is like, I need to talk to my son in private. And the, then Ralph and uh, Potsy get up and walk away. And they're like, oh, his dad came all the way down here. It must be something big. And Ralph says, I oh, wonder yeah. if a girl got Richie in trouble. And Potsy's like, or I, I wonder if a girl got him in trouble. And he's like, you think Richie's dad got in trouble? Is this like a pregnancy thing? I don't thing? think so, because that is not ever how that is phrased. Yeah, right? I was thinking maybe some like someone tattled on him for something, or I don't know. I didn't really get it either. Here's what I wrote. I'm not familiar with this, and I feel like I'd only be saddened by getting to the bottom of it. Yeah. It's Let's just, it's going to be something leave horrible. Leave it on the table. Yeah, yeah. Die, die, <laughs> girl got Richie in trouble, die. So, uh, so Fonzie. Fonzie is the real big brother of this show. In fact... Chuck Cunningham, who we talked about, went off to college and never came back in the early seasons. The reason they did that is that it became clear to Gary Marshall that the Fonz was the older brother of the series. They didn't need two people. When Fonzie got so popular, it was like Chuck went off to college because we, yeah. have, we have our older brother. Absolutely. So- and so both Richie and Howard think that Joni might listen to Fonzie about the dangers of smoking, and he agrees to talk to her. Richie tells Fonzie that Joni is smoking, to which Fonzie says... Joni is smoking cigarettes? And I'm like, fucking Fonzie's down, man. Fonzie, <laughs> Fonzie is about that life because... Fonzie's like, what's your brand? No, no, no. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like this. Ask me, ask me if I smoke. Hey, do you smoke? I don't smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Uh. So I'm, I'm putting it out there right now. Fonzie is smoking weed. Pot smoker Fonzie. Is this out of the this is out of the realm of possibility? I never considered no. it. Makes sense. Thanks. Cool. <laughs> Thought it'd be more to talk about here, but I guess we'll just move along. So, um, Fonz threatens to punch out every cigarette seller in Milwaukee, right. and then he says he'll handle it. And angrily, and then Richie goes, "We don't have time for that." <laughs> <laughs> Got 10, 20, 30 years. Well, he says it when Fonzie is gunning for the door, and it's like, oh shit, he's really gonna do it. <laughs> but Fonzie's like, Joni's like family. She's my shortcake. She's the mm. apple of my eye. Yeah. He's known her since she was a little. This is season eight or something. Yeah. She's been 
he's known her since she was eight, very you know? True. So he just, really the, does the feel term, very paternal and protective of yeah, her. Yeah, the term shortcake is just making me uncomfortable, though. It's yeah, just, I, I know, like I know was, they mean well, but it's just kind of like, oh. I feel like that was pretty common for like a little short kid. Especially a girl. All right. That's enough. a nickname. So, next we go to Joni's room. Or it's a twofer Yeah, Joni's <laughs> room. Again, we're on her turf. It's her story. Fonzie comes in, and she's like, you've never been in my room before. And then that weird train of thought stops right there. Yeah, it's totally. Um, that's he, the end of that. Yeah. He pretends to be there just as a casual friend dropping by for about five seconds. To admire and, posters. Right. And then starts yelling at her so, about smoking. Are you not so smoking? <laughs> and she's like, I'm done with lectures. And he goes, okay, I'm just going to ask you one question and then I'm just going to listen to what you say. And he asks her the question that no one has asked her yet, which is, do you really like to smoke? Yeah. And uh, he susses out the fact that... And she goes, yeah, I love it. It's awesome. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's ever said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't care what you're smoking, what cigarette you're smoking. It's just... Right. It's like, oh. And he's like, uh-huh, you're lying. I'm 100% addicted to this. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could stop, but I guess I'll keep going on until I die. Joni, uh, yeah, he susses out that Joni is smoking because she wants... She's afraid... The magnets will dump her and call her a chicken. Yeah, she's like, they're the most popular club at school, and I don't want, I want to be part of the yeah. thing. And he says, in a, like a patented Fonzie monologue, which I've copied verbatim. Oh, please. The hardest thing to do is what you want to do. You know what a breeze it is to follow the crowd, be led around by your nose. You ain't nobody till you do what you want to do. Good points all. Solid points. Then he spits the title of the episode right in her face. Yep. Smoking ain't cool. Yeah. And Joni says, the magnets are cool. And then Fonzie asks her. He prefaces it with, my modesty does not often allow me to ask this particular question. So he asks her, who is the coolest of cool? And because Andre 3000 has not been born yet, the answer (laughs) is the Fonz. And he's like, yeah. Clearly, I'm yeah. the coolest of cool until Andre 3000 comes along, and I don't smoke. <laughs> it's weird that he says that in the episode, <laughs> it too. It is. Very prophetic. And he's like, and I don't smoke, and I'm the coolest. Yeah. So, And she agrees with that assessment of the local cool rankings, yeah. but reiterates that she wants to be in the magnets, and they smoke, and they'll dump her if she quits. So, Fonzie important says. distinctions have been made because... Yeah. Things have been established here, which are that she doesn't really want to do it. Mm-hmm. She's only doing it because other people are doing it, and she's scared of being left out. Joni says, if I don't smoke, the magnets will dump me. Fonz says, uh, do things. Oh, man, where did this actually <laughs> no. come No. Hey, Sabina Fonzie. <laughs> no, <it's laughs> like a nice pizza pie. Super Mario Fonzie over here. <laughs> hey. <laughs> my princess is in every castle. <laughs> And five princesses in this castle, I'm gonna have a sex! <laughs> I'm gonna jump a shark! Uh, I'll just say it instead of trying to yeah. make that. Yeah. We'll all, all of my accents just fall apart. <laughs> I had a decent Fonzie, now it's again, I'm Fonzie! Uh, he says, You're my favorite shortcake. And if you don't stop smoking, your body is gonna dump you. In 20, 30, maybe 40 years. Yeah, wait around for it. <laughs> and then he pets her face, which is weird, and he leaves. The 50s! Yeah. So we go back to Arnold's, because there are only two locations in this show since everyone graduated, since Richie graduated, the house oh, and Arnold's. Yeah, here's a fun fact the uh, exterior 
all of the all the sets are made up. All the exteriors are made up, except for the Cunningham House, mm. which is a house on Cahuenga Boulevard here in uh, Los Angeles. One weekend, we need to go look at all these houses, like take pictures of the Brady Bunch house, the and Brady Bunch this house, house, that house, the Six Feet Under house, yeah. the the I used to live around the corner from the Nightmare on Elm Street house, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're back at Arnold's. And Ralph and Potsy have given up on their chinchilla business after finding out you have to kill an animal to get its skin. Yeah, I've given up on this plot line. Like, yeah, I gave up on it in the did? first scene. The writers. the writers. Yeah, it turns out Potsy and Ralphie figured they were just going to shed, and then they could make or chinchilla coats. Again, which... we need to stop the episode and be like, hey, there's no stupid questions yeah. here, guys. Just want to <laughs> yeah. shout anything out that's bothering so, you. So now they're into greeting cards, which I feel like was a super... A real thing in the 50s, people selling greeting cards door to door. I feel like that was a real thing. I feel like people bought a bunch of greeting cards to sell at a discount, and then it was on you to peddle them around town. Yeah. Hashtag gig economy. Am I right? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> the Magnets and Joni enter and sit down. They're planning a party. Yeah. All smoking. Yeah. And they're talking about hunks jumping out of cakes. And Oh, I should also mention that at some point earlier in this episode, I think when Dad Cunningham was at Arnold's, Al, who's the proprietor of Arnold's, came Mm. over and they told him that Joni was smoking. So all of the men in this restaurant right now know that Joni is smoking and they do not approve. That's a lot of men's disapproval for a woman not to change. It is. Um, What is she thinking? She'll learn. She's very young. So Fonzie enters. Fonzie sits at the table with them. And then Al comes over and tells the dudes that Joni is about to smoke. And legitimately what happens is now every dude in the restaurant <laughs> is looking at Joni to see if she's, she's going to smoke. And Al comes over and he's like, guys, it's happening. It's happening. She's about, she may be about to smoke, but she's been doing this whole episode. But like now, because Fonzie has spoken to her about yeah. this, now is the role, the, the test. So of course we are approaching the inmost cave sure. in a very presentational way. Yeah. Joni's sitting with the magnets in a booth. We have Al on high alert. Now we got Richie yep. and Fonzie and Potsy and Ralphie all looking at her to see if she's going to accept the proffered cigarette. And it's a full, 10 seconds before she starts smoking. So I don't know what Al, like, is like the warning signs of her about to smoke. Guys, there's a countdown clock on Came through the grapevine. T minus 10 until Flavor Country. It's weird, weirdly presentational. They're all staring at her from their seats in the restaurant to see what she's going to do. She takes a cigarette and it's lit and she puffs on it, but then. She puts it out. And now we have the supreme ordeal. Yep. Joni has made a decision not to smoke. And now we get to see if her, uh, she was worried that the magnets would dump her. And now we have to see if they do. It would be just a regular deluxe ordeal and not a supreme ordeal hmm. if she hadn't broken a really big rule. So she takes a cigarette and they light it for her and then she puts it out. You're probably going to get along better with smokers if you don't waste yeah, a fucking yeah. cigarette just, in front of them. Yeah. Just like take it one take puff. It, don't, I don't let smoke. them light it. Yeah, don't let them light it. Yeah, but it is a supreme ordeal because she does that. Yeah. The, the cards are stacked against her. So and she immediately gets called a chicken and told she's not cool. She's not. She says it's not. She's not too cool. The head of the magnets is like, mm. it's not too cool for you not to smoke, which is a weird turn of phrase. But then Joni responds with, I've been thinking about cool, which is. I intend to incorporate that into my vocabulary. I've I've been been thinking thinking about cool. cool, And I think everyone should decide for themselves what's best for them. And I don't think smoking is cool. And Richie and Fonzie smile with admiration from their seats. And and the girls immediately get on her side. Yeah, Joni's (sighs) like... 
Angela Magnet, do you want me in this club or not? I Every weekend, I watch a show about dragons and people coming back from the dead. But this moment is the most unrealistic thing I've ever seen in my life. Where it's like, I don't want to smoke. And they're like, oh, I wish I was brave as you were. I don't know. It's not that unrealistic to me. It's such a turnaround. Well, but it was also sort of like... Is smoking a prerequisite for being in this club? That's what she basically says. She's like, I want to be in this club. Do you? Are you going to kick me out for not smoking? She, it's kind of yeah. like a challenge. And Angela's like, chill, dude. No one has thought about this as much as you have thought about this. We want you in this club. They immediately all lament ever having smoked in the first place. One of them's like, I'm up to two packs a day. Yeah, that's Angela Magnet. She Boy. goes, you got guts. I wish I did. Maybe then I wouldn't be up to two packs a day. I'm sorry. She should be saying. I wouldn't be able to do back <laughs> right. today. This is the rewarding consequences section of this. Yeah. Joni has said, no, I don't want to smoke. And then they've said, okay, well, you're still in the club. And your reward is actually also now you're the best of us, we've decided. <laughs> I feel like they handled this in the correct way in terms of writing it, having wasted a cigarette aside. Because if they had dumped her, even if she was proud of herself and then mm. all the men came over and were like, you did great. Don't let them bother <laughs> yeah. you. The lesson wouldn't really land with kids. It's true. Because kids are afraid of being dumped by their peer groups. And so it was great that she got to be like, nope, I'm not smoking. And I still want to hang out with you guys. And I don't think it should be about smoking. And they're mm. like, you're right. You're better than us, in fact. So I think they do. They land. They stick the landing with this in terms of trying to teach a lesson. Sure. It's, um, and they, they follow that up with the guy from yesterday comes Letterman up. Letterman Jim. Letterman Jim. And she's like, do you? still think I'm grown up and really does a, a sick pose. She does the, the figure, yeah, and I, it's like, he's like, oh no, I guess it wasn't the cigarettes, it, it's your boobs, I guess, yeah. that make you look grown up. Guess what? Centuries old technique, yeah. have boobs. <laughs> and uh, they, they, they start dancing intensely. on the dance floor, and Fonzie and Richie give her a thumbs up. That's it. Everything's great. Hey. But then we have a third act. Quick third act. (laughs) We do have a weird scene here that I've read too much into. This is something we don't often see because the lesson has been learned, but we get a little elixir, return with the elixir, heal heal the community moment, back at the Cunningham home. Uh, Joni tells her parents that she's given up smoking, they're very proud, and then a phone call happens. Marion answers it, and it's a friend of theirs asking if they're going to that Leopard Lodge party at the Fister Hotel, and I'm like, holy shit. Kingster code the 1950s was shit. And dad said he totally hates those parties and that people are throwing bags of water out the window, if you know what I mean. I don't know what you mean, but you're using air quotes, so I'm guessing those are all euphemisms for sex things. I'm pretty sure it is. But dad is like, I guess I'll go anyway. He says we have to go. I hate these parties. We have to go. he's freaky as hell. And jo- Joni points out that they're caving into peer pressure just like she did. Unwittingly kink-shaming her own father. Yeah. And Dad Cunningham, their relationship was never the same. And Dad Cunningham says, you know, you're right. We're not going to that party. And so Mom gets back on the on the phone and mm-hmm. is like, hey, we're not coming to that party. And then there's a but bit. But she does say, like, you can hear it in the background, we'll be there next time. Yes. She says, maybe <laughs> next time. And I was like, uh-huh. Yeah. So then there's a little bit with the mom having already spent $37 on the dress. And the episode ends with a hug between the parents. And it's this cute little thing. And then he, you know, she says, I bought a dress for $37. He's like, you go upstairs. He says, go to your room, Marion. And she's like, what? Says, I'll be there in a second. Yeah. It's cute. I'll bring and then the water bags to throw out the window. <laughs> it's cute. This is the end of this episode. It's a very specific point to be made about one of the reasons that people start smoking. I certainly started smoking because all of my friends were doing it and it felt like a very adult thing to do. I was hanging out with older friends and I wanted to feel like I was older and more social and 
figured it'd be a cool way to meet somebody, and it really was difficult to quit smoking. It's the, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Proud of you. Thanks. It took me like seven years of trying, yeah. but I'm, I'm really glad that I did. And like everybody else, I wish I just hadn't started. So in 2017, the New York Times wrote this article about a new study from the San Francisco Center for Tobacco Control Research and Education, pointing out that popular movies are showing more tobacco use on screen. Mm. So we talked about how there was a real downturn in the 60s and 70s. You couldn't show tobacco advertisements on TV. All the science behind the fact that there's a dose-response relationship. The more kids see smoking on screen, the more likely they are to start smoking. There's evidence that it's the largest single stimulus for smoking. It overpowers good parental role modeling. It's more powerful than peer pressure or even cigarette advertising to see cigarette smoking on screen. Right. And younger adolescents who are more, more heavily exposed to smoking on film are two to three times as likely to start smoking. For a long, long time, there were all of the, there was like all of this pressure. I think there were even tax incentives to, for for people to not show smoking on TV and sure. in movies. However, there is a, there's an uptick currently and there's a movement by certain groups to include cigarette smoking in the rating system, treating it like a, like an obscenity. Basically, if there's cigarette smoking in the movie, the movie gets an R rating. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention estimates that taking smoking out of films rated for children would save 18% of the 5.6 million young people who will otherwise die of tobacco-related diseases. A million lives. There's nothing you could do that would be so cheap and save so many lives, to quote Dr. Glantz, who's one of the authors of this new study. So this is a little bit troubling that we're seeing an uptick back in movies. And also, the Truth Initiative, which is an anti-smoking group released a report called While You Were Streaming, Tobacco Use Sees Renormalization in On-Demand Digital Content. This is uh, a study that reveals that 79% of the shows most popular with young people on streaming platforms depict smoking prominently. Mm -hmm. There has been all this regulation on broadcast television around not showing smoking or only showing smoking if it's a character like on the X-Files, The Smoking Man, a character we don't like. Yeah. However, tobacco use in online streaming content is pervasive, rising, and much more prominent than broadcast and cable programming. They think it's just because no one has leaned on them. No one has tried to regulate it. The critically acclaimed Stranger Things, nominated for two Golden Globes in 2018, including Best Television Drama Series, has emerged as the worst offender in terms of showing smoking. That show is set in the 80s, of course. These groups are calling for the same sort of pressure to be put on people who create streaming content to not glamorize smoking on streaming content shows the same way it's been sort of taken off TV. But it sounds like there's an upswing in film happening right now as well. So maybe smoking is re-cool now? Maybe. Where is Henry Winkler? He's working. Let's get him on this. He's on Barry, not smoking. Yeah. Let's, I mean, he's around. Let's go find him. Let's yeah. tell him his services are needed. Let's flash that bat Fucking, signal. And he's going to have to Nicholas Cage style break into the Smithsonian. <laughs> yes, I'm get gonna, that jacket. I'm going to steal back oh my jacket. Oh my gosh. What is, the, what, is the, what is the fond signal that goes off from the top of LA City Hall? <laughs> Just a picture it's of it. It's a thumbs up. The yeah. Thumbs up. Miles is giving us a thumbs it's up. A motorcycle yeah. over a shark. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to send up the font signal. So, Chelsea, what the fuck did we learn (laughs) from this episode of television? I think we learned that in cases where you are writing a show that's set 20 years before your writers are writing it, you are allowed to use the facts and science and the benefit of all the research that you have access to in your current day, even if it's a little bit anachronistic coming out of your character's mouth. You can find ways to put that information in there. Yeah. 
I learned that uh, based on my notes and and some of my behavior during this this podcast, that if I watch a wholesome fifty style show, my cussing goes up a thousand percent. <laughs> like I, you just you should see these notes. It's like fucking Richie does this. My fucking blah blah. blah. It's a dose response relationship. <laughs> Truly. So I need to watch it. What I'll do is I'll go home and pretend I'm having nice, normal conversations with good words uh, yeah. with friends while pretending to smoke a cigarette. Yeah. Go watch Game of Thrones and dial where they cuss all the time and you can dial your own interior monologue That's back. That's a good idea. Yeah. And who do we want to hug? I mean, I feel like Ralphie and Potsy might need Kinda. hugs. I just like, I'm like, what is your life going to be like? You're in college. And you don't understand. Do you have a plan? Fundam- they're in college right yeah. now. And they're sophomores. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Uh, yeah, they need a hug for sure. But I'll probably hug Fonzie because, you know, uh, that would make me 50% cooler. So, yeah, that's our first Happy Days episode. I think yeah. they did a decent enough job. Yeah, but I think we learned some on stuff the spectrum, along the way. I think yeah. this is like a solid 5 out of 10 Yeah. on the how effective was this. And again, our counter of somebody taking a puff of cigarette and then going smooth is up to 2. <laughs> yep, 2 out of I 2. I expect it to rise with every episode like this that we do. Um, I will say props to them for not giving Angela Magnet throat cancer at the end of the episode, a la Boy, Small Wonder. how about that? She was the <laughs> toughest job. In school, <laughs> oh my god, it was mouth cancer. Yeah, it's just like uh, yesterday he was fine, today he has mouth cancer. That's how our, fast it hits you. See our small wonders episode, yeah. Uh, it's Alpha the Robot, Alpha the Robot, Alpha yep. the Robot. So, Chelsea, what are we gonna watch next time? Do you think? Uh, yeah, next time we are going to watch an episode of Full House. That's right, it's Full House, it's called Under the Influence. Yep. It is from the 8th season, episode 10, and you can see this and every episode of Full House on Hulu. Yep, so we'll see you then. Bring snacks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!